0: Welcome to the Stories of Transformation podcast. I'm your host, Bakhtash Ahadi. Each week, I dive into deep and intimate conversations with distinguished guests who share their unique perspectives about the most interesting topics of our time. In today's episode, Academy Award-winning filmmaker and music producer Patrick Johnson. Patrick has composed music for the following award-winning documentary films. White Helmets, Virunga, On Her Shoulders, Frame by Frame, Five by Five, and many more. Throughout our conversation, you will hear Patrick's music in the background. So embrace it as we uncover how he uses music to tell stories and how to make a 100 people in a room feel the exact same way, all at the exact same time. Specifically in this conversation, we pursue the following questions. What is the transformative power of music? What is the relationship between music and human beings? How is music used to communicate emotions beyond words and visuals? How does the score of a film influence our attitudes toward that film? More broadly, Patrick shares with us his creative process, as well as where he believes music lives in the body, and why music is especially important in this time of isolation. If you enjoy this conversation, please share it far and wide, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. So without further ado, it is my distinct pleasure to bring you Patrick Johnson. Patrick Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bhaktash, how are you? You know, all things considered, I'm doing okay. I have to ask, in the midst of COVID-19, where are you speaking to us from today?
1: I'm in London, in the UK, in my home studio here.
0: Patrick, the reason why I wanted to talk to you today was because I think your music is transformative, it's powerful, and it really taps into what it means to be human. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of talk about this process and share some perspective in terms of what it means to be a film composer. And it's also important to say that your music is vast. You've composed music for documentaries, award-winning films, short films, commercials, and television. But I have to ask, how did you get involved in music in the first place?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. When I was younger, like third or fourth grade in school, I grew up in Malaysia. I was there for 10 years. And... They had these gamelan classes for the kids. And so it's quite a physical thing, isn't it, to play in a gamelan ensemble. And it's quite an unusual set of instrumentation. So it's quite visceral, I guess, and that that literally resonates with you. And so there was that. And then I played in bands because, you know, all the cool kids were in bands when they were 15 or 16. And then I think there was a guidance counselor at some point who was like, so what are you going to do when you graduate from high school? And there's that moment where you have to decide. And I really had no idea. I was just like, music, I guess. You know, it's going to be music. And it's, I've always done that. I love it. I was spending like six to eight hours a day practicing guitar. So it was a big part of my life. And so I applied to just one school, Berklee College of Music in Boston. Unfortunately, was lucky enough to get in. And then I was just catapulted off on a, onto a, a road, I guess. And I'm still on the, on that road. Yeah, still doing
0: it. So at Berkeley, what was the instrument that you chose?
1: It was guitar, electric guitar. Um, that's what I was playing when I was in the bands. And my parents had tried to get me to do piano lessons and string lessons and things. And I, I did play trumpet in a jazz band, but guitar was always the thing that I felt like I could express myself the most on and I could write the most easily on. But then when I got to the school, I saw how how incredible the level of musicianship was there and that I was never going to be as good as these people who were there at electric guitar or any kind of guitar or instrument performance. But I was simultaneously also drawn to, there was a major in film composition. And so I was slowly pulled in that direction over a three-year period. And, and I graduated with a degree in,
0: in film scoring. Ah, So you knew from the onset that when you were studying at Berkeley, that you weren't going to be able to flourish to the same level as other guitarists. You knew innately to switch your major.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. It it had to do with the curiosity about film composition, and I didn't really know that that existed. I mean, I I guess I did in theory, but I had never sort of delved into what it would mean to actually do all the different modules and how interesting all of that was. And the storytelling possibilities Mm. that exist within music anyway are amazing, but Mm -hmm. to have them coupled with a visual storytelling medium is just Doubly poetic, I think, and i'm I'm very drawn to that
0: in retrospect, what was the first score that you fell in love with?
1: It's hard to know if it was the first, but one that definitely definitely resonated with me a lot was
0: Jurassic Park
1: by John Williams,
0: yeah, why is that?
1: I don't know. There was something about the melody that it was profound and grand, but also slightly complicated, and I think if it stood on its own, I might not have noticed but Coupled with the images and at that point in my life and where cinema was at, at that moment in time, it felt like a, quite a profound moment. And I've spoken to other colleagues who felt like that was quite a seminal moment. I mean, he had done wonderful scores before as well, and there were wonderful scores that existed before, but that was just brilliant writing coupled with a wide reach in terms of the audience that it was reaching and and it was reaching me. And so I remember that score.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Since you brought up your background, I'm curious to know if your ethnic background, to what extent, if any, it may have informed your decision to pursue music.
1: So I'm half Polish, half Swedish. My mom is from Poland in the Northeast, and my dad is from the South of Sweden. And I was born in Sweden and lived there until I was four. And then I moved to Warsaw in Poland and lived there until I was eight. So, you know, those were still quite young years in my life. But it meant, of course, that I speak both of those languages, which I'm very thankful for. And my dad got a job offer to move to Malaysia. So we moved to Kuala Lumpur. And I was there from the age of eight until I was 18. So I spent what you would call, I guess, the formative years of my life, 10 years there in Kuala Lumpur and uh, had the time of my life. Absolutely loved it. Beautiful country, incredible people, food, culture, everything. So I, I got to travel and see... A lot of different places and that certainly has had an impact on me as a person and by extension my music I'm sure because I really enjoy the value of different perspectives and cultures and trying to learn and always trying to push your preconceptions about things and and trying to explore. In that sense it's it's had an, an impact on me as a person and I hope it shows in my music that I try to Not reinvent things every time, but explore. Try and dive deeper than just what's at the surface, I guess.
0: Thank you for that. Now, how do you think your perspective on music and your experiences informs your music and what it says to you about what it means to be human?
1: I feel like I try and really give a lot of thought and time to the characters that we're exploring, if we're talking specifically about film scoring. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me that whether they're fictional characters or they're real life characters um, in documentaries, I try to approach them in a similar way. Of course, you know, there's an extra level of responsibility when you're working on documentaries, but I try to bring some kind of empathy to the situation and, and try and tell the story from their perspective the best I can. I think one one thing that's quite useful when you're talking about music is to react to the situation that's happening in front of you as opposed to pushing the situation that's happening in front of you when it comes to filmmaking as a technique. If you have a, a character that says something or expresses something or is in a difficult situation, I try to see things through the lens of the audience it's that respect again, where I always try to at least think carefully as much as I can about how we're handling certain subjects. And and I think that music has an immediacy that a lot of other mediums don't necessarily, like you you don't with music necessarily have a chance to filter it. It just kind of goes straight into your subconscious sometimes. And Mm -hmm. it has that immediacy, I think is a beautiful thing. Music moves us. It has the power of nostalgia and of transporting us and all of this kind of stuff. And especially in the moment now, like with this isolation that we're all feeling, I think music can be doubly powerful, actually, because it provides some sort of a chance to dream and escape.
0: Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And so as it pertains to the human condition, as it pertains to the psychological impacts of music, on individuals, right? Studies have shown us that when people listen to music, their emotions fluctuate and it affects their change in their behavior, right? And studies have also shown that different languages, tempos, tones, sound levels of music can cause different effects on emotion, mental activities, and physical reactions. Mm -hmm. And so when you create your music, right, whether it's in the documentary space or in the fiction space, do you have a specific goal in mind?
1: Yeah, the goal is... Always to be true to that world and story and character that we are with at that moment. And the funny thing about film composition is that you don't really understand the film until it's done. Explain that. What does that mean? It's a constant journey of trying to learn what it wants to be. It tells you what it wants to be. You can't push yourself onto it. You can try, but it'll there will be something within you and within everyone working on the film team that instinctively feels that it's kind of something's not quite Mm. gelling you know whether it's like you say a tempo thing a, a register thing a instrumentation thing a tonality yeah various things that maybe aren't quite aligned whether it's the underlying intention of of the storytelling or the longer arcs of the characters or whether it's the editing style or the color itself. The intention is to just make it all work both intellectually but mainly instinctively that it, it feels right to everybody because you can't really talk too much about music. You just have to try and, and just throw ideas at it and some things will stick and then you're like, ah, that's,
0: that's a seed of mm-hmm. something interesting. Oh, that's really curious. In that process... What do you then learn about yourself? Like, does the actual film then have a transformative quality to what it does to you in the process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because these are decisions and changes and adaptations that I would never have been able to make by myself. If I turned off the picture and didn't know that that story existed and I was just writing an album, I would be delving within. And those are things, you know, there's a place to explore within for sure. These external forces of sort of having a, a film and a team that you're working with guiding you and helping you and having agreements with them and disagreements and where those all those conversations lead to, it definitely transforms you after the process and you learn with every project. And also, I've been really fortunate to work on some incredible projects that have had just a profound impact on me because of my admiration for the people in those films and the people making the films so I feel like all that stuff has made me a better person too for
0: sure yeah you know what I'm really struck by is in your music there's a lot of tension and suspense you have this wonderful ability to kind of create loss tension and even hope because a lot of the scores that you compose are about or for documentaries that really convey loss, mm-hmm. whether it's White Helmets, Frame by Frame, Varunga. these films that really show what it means to be in a place of deprivation. Mm-hmm. And there's a story's arc in that whole process. And so what I would love to know is, how is it that you put yourself in a place of being empathetic to suffering, conflict and loss. What does that actually look like for you?
1: Well, thank you for saying that. It's something I work hard at trying to do, is to give things shape emotionally. And I almost think about that more than the notes that I choose. I think of energies and transfer of energy a lot when I'm writing music. I tend to think in those kind of terms. I think in light dark energetic soft slow tense release these kind of words and those are good words because those are words that are easy to talk with filmmakers about as opposed to getting specific about musical terms which are less important i think and those are just solutions to those problems those first questions in terms of how i find the empathy in each of those stories It's tricky to say because I've been incredibly privileged in my life and haven't grown up in the conditions that were being depicted in a lot of these films that I'm working on. So I guess I'm feeding off, just like an audience is, off of the characters and how it seems that they're managing to be so extraordinary despite such incredibly difficult circumstances. And I think therein lies that little thread of hope that you mentioned earlier. And it's finding that hope that's quite important i think and if you're able to find that hope which exists on screen because the characters have it that's why their stories are so powerful but if musically you can figure out what that sounds like or feels like then this idea of tension and release becomes a way that you can follow their their storytelling and the the editing and the the filmmaking and kind of take the audience on a journey so that maybe they can empathize a little bit better what these people are going through and you try to spread that the story that we're trying to tell as wide and in a, as a universal way as we can i think tension and release is is a good way to put it and and hope is often so hard and so difficult to find if you i don't know if you're talking about afghanistan or syria or you're talking about drc like these places that these films take place in like i guess hope is all you have right because the heroism that these people are showing is almost unimaginable like most people
0: would be frozen by by fear yeah i think i understand so through observing the the visuals of these characters who you don't even get to meet often you find uh, a sense of almost embodying them mm-hmm. through this notion of empathy, right? Where you can essentially then create the energy in which they put into the world.
1: Absolutely, yeah, that's what I try to do, and and again, I try to be respectful always. and And it's funny because I I don't like you said normally don't get to meet them until after a lot of times. It'll be at a premiere or something, you know, and I've seen them like I've watched them for hundreds of hours, like on screen while I've been working in my studio. And I go up to them. I'm like, hey, you know, like and they look at me like I'm crazy because they've never seen me before. Uh, There's always a funny moment like that. And then I have to remind myself like, oh, yeah, of course, you've you've never you don't know who I am. (laughs) And then someone says, this is the composer who wrote the music and they would have heard the film with the music. And they're like, oh, and it's almost like they know me through the music then and it's like it's a funny little interaction that we often have
0: oh that's fantastic i can empathize on a couple of documentaries where you were the film composer i was the translator for and so what's interesting is i'll translate from farsi to english and i feel like i know the characters because i've gone through this process so many times i know the inflection in their tone i know the words that they use I feel like I know the person, but then when I first meet them, I have the same reaction as you. Yeah. And I ask them as though I've been friends with them for years because you put in so many hours listening to them. Yeah. When this started to happen to me, I thought to myself, I wonder what it's like to be them.
1: Yeah, it's it's strange. It's literally having every word you say scrutinized. <laughs> like. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and in many ways, I think music does this too. It's like you're trying to capture the essence of who they are because language is this very amorphous thing. And so from one language to another, things get lost in translation, specifically if you like drill down into the exact meanings of words. Mm -hmm. Cultural things. Cultural things that inform a person's existence in a place. And so... Mm What I try to do in that process is that I try to capture the essence of what they're saying and the essence of what they're trying to express to the world. And I feel like in many ways, hearing you talk about your creative process, it sounds like it's very similar.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's about reiterating or amplifying these ideas that are there anyway. You're just trying to extract them and bring them, them out for clarity or, or mm-hmm. reinterpret mm-hmm. them. And, or sometimes nothing is said but you can see it in their eyes. And that comes from knowing the characters and going on this journey that we talked about. On Her Shoulders is a a good example of that. There's so many moments where Nadia Murad, she doesn't really speak that much.
0: Now, Patrick, would you be kind enough to explain who Nadia Murad is and just so our listeners understand what's going on?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So Nadia Murad is an incredible woman. She's ambassador for the Yazidi people She's a survivor. She was captured by ISIS and um, unfortunately one of the victims of sexual slavery and imprisoned there. But she managed to escape and she escaped to Germany where she um, decided that she was going to speak out on behalf of her people. And so she's become a spokesperson for free Yazidis all over the world. And the film On Her Shoulders, directed by Alexandria Bombach, it's a beautiful film. There's a version of that film which focuses just on Nadia and the things that happened to her. But the thing that I think Alexandria did so masterfully is that it's sort of about the burden that Nadia carries of telling and retelling the story of what happened to her to various media outlets around the world. The reason she does it is because it's for the greater purpose of trying to get the information across on behalf of her people and to, to protect them. The camera's very empathetic in that film a lot, as as with a lot of the documentaries that I work on, um, and lucky to work on. Mm. And Nadia, I I think it was last year, she won a Nobel Peace Prize.
0: Yeah, Nadia is incredible. The film that Alexandria did about her, On Her Shoulders, was fantastic. I'm really glad that you brought up Alexandria Bombak. She is an incredible filmmaker, and Alexandria and uh, Mo Scarpelli We're both the directors of Frame by Frame. And in that film, I got to learn about the power of music and how the score of an actual film can make or break the feeling of that film Mm -hmm. and the actual story. And so that's where I became enamored with your music, Patrick.
1: Thank you for saying that. That's a huge compliment. I think a lot of the decisions that we make are made together with the filmmakers for sure. So I feel like I learned so much from the filmmakers because they understand the story much better than I do when I first enter because they've been working for a long time with this subject. But hopefully I can bring some new perspective too. And that's part of my job, I think.
0: I think of music in many ways as language and something as powerful as language. And I think about silence and pause as music at rest. And just like language, I think music can ask questions of its listeners and of its audience. And in those moments of rest, it can actually allow the audience and or listener to come up with the answer. And so What I'm thinking about now as it pertains to instrumental music is, Patrick, where do you think music lives in the body?
1: In rhythms, probably. I'm not great at many musical things, but one thing that I feel that I have a pretty firm grasp of is rhythm. And I feel pulse very strongly when I'm navigating through a piece of music and when I'm writing.
0: When listening to your music, Patrick, I'm really struck with beat and rhythm and the pulsating feeling of your music. It's almost like there's a clock in the background that's saying, boom, 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 boom. And that's the thing that's really keeping everything together.
1: Mm -hmm. And there's something incredibly primal about simple beats that we've, as humans, have, have had around for thousands and thousands of years and uh, have been drawn to. So there's something interesting about if a piece is framed around the simplest of ideas and that's the overarching force of it, then you can get away with some quite interesting things under the surface that kind of pass people by, but give some complexity. And so it's that duality of simple but not so simple that I think is a place that I find interesting.
0: Now, you brought up the primacy of what music is, Patrick. And so I'm curious to know, do you think music is older than language and words?
1: I think it has to be, yeah. Because, you know, it could be an early human running at a tempo. And that has a rhythm to it. Whether you call it music or not, the thump of the feet against the ground, or sleeping and feeling your heart and your chest, we literally have a metronome within our bodies, all of us.
0: Mm. Hmm, how interesting i often ponder what is it about humans that makes us love music so much music is really effective as it pertains to curing insomnia Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right or the influence that music has on shoppers and classical music (laughs) has on shoppers to spend more money in stores
1: that's so funny or
0: that right or that like communal singing helps humans to bond with each other so i'm wondering what is it about music that we love
1: I think it is it is that, is that it makes us feel things without being able to necessarily explain why we're feeling them. I think, yeah, there's an immediacy to it that you don't necessarily have the capacity to put up filters because it really just resonates with a certain part of us, like automatically, I think, and, you know, like 60 BPM, that's the rate of our heartbeat in classical music. The tempo of 120 BPM, they call it andante because that's like a typical walking pace. Hmm. The reason that over hundreds of years, these terms have come into existence is because they're all connected to the body and to like quite universal things.
0: At this point in the conversation, I'd like to ask, what is your creative process like?
1: So it's it's funny because so many people are now in self-isolation, right? And me and my a lot of my composer f- friends are were joking that we're like in perpetual self-isolation. Anyway, in terms of my process, I like to give each film a sound palette of its own. So that really helps me enter into the film. And the world of the film and try and discover what it wants to be. So we'll talk a lot with the director. They'll have some ideas. I'll have some ideas. And then I'll say, cool, give me some time. Let me run with some stuff. And so I'll normally make a piece of music. It could be anywhere from five to 15 minutes, just kind of brainstorming of ideas. And that'll just start a conversation because, again, music is so hard to talk about. It's much easier to show, this is what I was thinking, what do you think, and to talk about that. Mm. And then I'll normally go off to some studio somewhere and do a day with a few friends, musician friends, and we'll just make some noises that I think are in the world of this project. Mm. And then I just kind of write, 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 send drafts, redraft, 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 until we run out of time, basically. (laughs)
0: this is what your process is like. And it's a process that you have to go through every time, right? So there's this struggle. There's this conversation that you have with your instrument. And then there's a conversation that you have with your other composers. And then there's a conversation that you have to go back to with your instruments where they have a conversation with each other. So it's multifaceted and multi-layered, And so What's really curious about the creative process, whether it's with instruments or with any artistic form, is that there's a process. And so, as an artist, you have to fall in love with that iterative process because it's not easy. It's not easy, right? And you have to really dig deep to really try to not only empathize, but also capture the essence of what that conversation is, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you invite, more minds into the equation, then it's probably going to be better because you're allowing these musicians and these directors and producers to to have a say and you're not being kind of dictatorial and saying my way is the way because that's really not conducive to, to diving deep within yourself to mm-hmm. find something that you probably couldn't have figured out by yourself.
0: At least for me personally, when I initially thought of music... I thought of music as entertainment. Then once I started to understand the beauty of music and started to really think about how it made me feel and think about how it made humans feel, it became this thing where music is more about inner attainment. It makes you look within. And I think a lot of what you're saying actually speaks to that inner attainment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I tried to find that during the process for myself, but Also, I hope the end product that comes out at the end of the film can evoke that in an audience as well. And I hope that the score has a perspective enough that if it's taken outside of the context of the film and just listened to on its own, that it can transport you to the world of the film. Mm -hmm. And that if you were to watch a film and hit the mute button, you miss that music, that it's a part of the fabric of the tapestry of that particular story.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, what you're describing is how music has this transcendence quality, right, for the audience as they're watching the film. And so, what I'm curious to know is it's a matter of somebody who has created the score for that film. Have you ever stepped into a movie theater and watched the reactions of the audience as they watch the film? What is that experience like for you? <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, yeah, several times. Yeah, it's quite daunting. I've gotten better at it as time goes, because I've done it a few more times, but it is daunting because you pour your heart and soul into things, right? And you you really, really try your best. But I really I really enjoy that process of watching with an audience because not worrying too much about how the music is perceived, because at that point the film is one complete piece. And so you're more concerned about how the whole film is coming across and you hope that it comes across like you hoped it would. When you see that that is true and that character is resonating with people, the information you're trying to get across is coming across in the right way, then that's an incredibly satisfying feeling. And if you if someone doesn't get the information the way you hope, then that's okay. You learn how to get better and we keep pushing and keep practicing.
0: As a composer, right, where you essentially provide this element of a film that many ways can only be described as an emotional feeling or an emotional energy. How does it feel to have your music possess that transformative effect on others?
1: If you're doing it respectfully, treating your audience and your characters with respect, then it's a strong feeling. I love it. It's exhilarating to kind of share that with an audience and the fruits of your labor you know, after such a long time of being alone in your studio, working with just one or two other people. And then all of a sudden you can share it with hundreds of people and then later, hopefully thousands, if not more.
0: So Patrick, I think it's probably a great time to talk about how music now and in particular your music could be a benefit to others during these times of uncertainty with the COVID-19 pandemic essentially, you know, plaguing the entire world.
1: It's hard for me to talk about my own music because it's so self-conscious and it's so personal but I've had some really wonderful feedback to some of the things that I've written both for films and solo stuff and I've had people who have reached out to me before all this pandemic stuff happened you know over the years people who have reached out and said like you know I lost my brother and this particular piece of music really helped me get through that or This other piece really reminds me of so-and-so. And I had someone write that they were listening to my album while their wife was giving birth to their baby. And I was like, wow, it's like, you know, what an absolute honor. Those are really things that you don't imagine. You're just writing some music that you care about a lot, but it's hard to predict how things are going to come across to other people or what it'll mean to them. But I hope that people can protect their mental health during this time period because I think that it is quite... Easy to fall into traps. I think music is a good way to satisfy some of the things that we might be missing and go on a journey, go explore music that you've never heard before, or find comfort in stuff that you that you love or that you haven't heard for a while, the nostalgic stuff or stuff that challenges you or makes you want to dance, whatever. but does it have a place absolutely and and you know does my music have a place? I hope so, but there's also so much other music out there, so you know just explore.
0: Yeah, that's great, Patrick. I like to wrap up these conversations by asking my guests one simple but important question. Patrick, what is your message for the world?
1: It's hard for me to feel like I'm qualified to have a message for the world. But I guess one thing I've been pondering lately as we've been going through all this stuff is that there's so much heroicism in the world. And you know, in a lot of these films that we've been talking about today, there's a lot of heroes in really kind of unexpected circumstances and in difficult circumstances, people have shown their heroism. I think that's happening today with a lot of the people who are battling coronavirus on the front lines in various forms and helping people and being very selfless. I think those are some of the positive. There's obviously a lot of really horrible things that have happened and I don't mean to belittle any of those things, but there have been a lot of positives that have come out of people's behavior during this time. And I think... I hope that we can carry some of those with us into the future when the actual pandemic calms down, because I think they're good values and things that people should strive towards anyway. And I hope it also underlines that we really need to think about climate change and we really need to deeply dive into tackling that problem of global warming with a similar intensity to how we're tackling coronavirus, because what we're seeing right now is just a glimpse of what it might be like with the displacement and the poverty and the droughts and things that would be happening all over the world. If we're just talking about just the slightest of degree changes, mm-hmm. and and a lot of the films that we've been talking about, a lot of these issues that exist in those countries have arisen exactly for this reason. And so if we can just maybe try and think forward and keep some of the energy that we've got for tackling this thing and take it into the next also very big problem, then I think that would be a a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's really, really great insight and uh, a great message. If this pandemic has showed us anything, it's that the world is quite small. Things that happen on, on the other side of the planet affect us here in our homes and that we're in this thing all together. Patrick, thank you for that. I just want to say that I thank you for the music that you create and for sharing your story with us today. And um, I wish you all the best.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Maktash.
0: Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for joining us on the Stories of Transformation podcast. This podcast is produced by Dana Drahos. Audio engineering by Joe Gangemi. Marketing by Katherine Ahn. Artwork by Mashida Hadi. And theme music by Kais Esor. If you love Stories of Transformation, you can help more people find us by leaving a review and sharing the episodes far and wide. We're grateful for all your support. And on behalf of the Stories of Transformation team, I'd like to say thank you. Okay, see you next time.